Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Stockwell service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Well, it's really good to see you all again. I've really been looking forward to be back here at Stockwell and see familiar faces and new faces as well. It seems like it's been ages ago. You become really old while I've been away. <laughs> I just go younger and younger, and you just mature. Um, I hope you enjoy this this sermon series as much as as I do. I really enjoy it, and I'm quite curious from Sunday to Sunday. It's a bit hard to predict what's going on this Sunday and how will how will God turn up and how will this work among us. Uh, three weeks ago, I found myself in tears during the worship responding to a text in, in one of the worship songs. And this is not something that happens to me uh, frequently. Actually, it's quite rare. Uh, I think I've experienced this kind of thing once or twice before. But it was almost like God was speaking to me directly through this text. So I felt like almost suddenly being alone in the room. It's almost like when you watch a movie and they kind of remove everything in the room and then you just have the character left and you see the emotions of the character. That was how I felt. And it felt like God was just speaking to me directly uh, through the sentences of this song. And the, the song is one that is familiar to quite a number of you. It's a song called New Wine. And it goes like this. In the crushing, in the pressing you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you into your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing. All you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Now I need to control myself. Um, so last year was probably uh, among the top three most challenging years of my life. It was also a glorious year, but it was also just a hugely challenging year. And as I was leaving 2018, I felt left with a lot of pain and a lot of unanswered questions. And I think that God dealing with me like this was actually almost like given an, giving some kind of answer or some kind of promise into this situation. And it felt like a promise that all of this pressure, all of this crushing that had been going on in my life and to some degree was still going on, that he would be able to use it and to produce something precious out of that. Now, later on, I found out that there was actually a number of other people in the congregation who had similar experiences during that particular song. So we, we talked and we started to wonder, is God trying to talk not only to individuals here, but is this something that he's speaking about to us as a church? So I am actually quite happy that this was the text I was given to preach on, uh, not two weeks ago or three weeks ago, but I think like three months ago. So it's like it's been waiting for me and building up, uh, and it comes with quite a price. So I hope you will listen carefully as I go through the text today. Um, now, there are a lot of interpretations uh, to this text, and there is a really good reason for that, and I'll come back to that. But on the surface, the whole context is about the practices and spiritual disciplines of the disciples of Jesus compared to the disciples of John the Baptist or even the Pharisees. 
And this text is what we would call a double parable, which typically would mean that uh, they have the same meaning, but expressed in two different ways. And this is also how it is with this text. And yet there is some ambiguity in the text that leads us to suspect that Jesus is somehow using this occasion to speak into different kinds of things, giving us crucial lessons about life. Um, so the first of these two parables is about a garment. Uh, it's about cloth that needs to repair an old garment. And in the Bible, the garment is used as an image of our inner life. So in this case, Jesus says, if something that is old needs to be repaired, use something old to repair what has been broken. Maybe this is partly what Jesus is talking about when he speaks to uh, the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation and tell them to go back to their first love and to do the same things that they did back then. Not too long ago, I had an experience that reminded me of, of this particular parable. I can't really remember what caused it, but obviously I was in some kind of need of comfort or repair or whatever you would call it. So I find myself Googling uh, for talks by John Wimber, and I know some of you don't know who he is, and some of you do. Anyways, that was what I was doing, and uh, he was way before podcast there, so I didn't really find anything, but finally... I bumped upon what looked like an old 16 millimeter movie clip that was uh, on YouTube. And um, it was of really poor quality. But as I was watching this, uh, this um, uh, talk by John Wimber, I found myself in tears and I found myself laughing at the same time. It was a very old cloth, but it really had a strong effect on my life, it was just what I needed. Why? Well, because this guy, John Wimber, had a huge impact on my life and my ministry uh, a few years ago when I was younger than I am now. Um, I'll never forget the first time uh, when I went to a, a conference of his in Gothenburg. It was back in the 1980s, so we are really a long way uh, back. Uh, and when I experienced him and I experienced the ministry and that kind of spirituality, I felt like coming home. I felt like this is what I had been longing for all of my life. I just didn't know that it was this. So this was just a, such a strong uh, experience. So he has had a major impact on me. And me sitting, listening to this, watching this, it was like a repair going on in my life. And I think I incl have included this in a talk uh, that it came up in the preparation because I believe that there may be some of us where this is what God is actually speaking about to us today. That the thing for you is not really about experiencing a lot of new things right now, but for the thing for you is actually to go back to something that he has already done. And when you go back to that, you will find what you're looking for, the comfort, the repair, the thing that has been broken in your life. So, what Jesus says at a different place, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. So, what on the surface could look like a divide between the old and the new in this text, it's probably not. Probably Jesus is talking about something that unifies the old and the new. 
So what we are going to focus on now is the second of the two parables, the one about the new wine. And again, on the surface, it looks quite simple. Uh, the fact is that if we put fresh wine into an old wineskin, we are asking for trouble. Uh, the old wineskin has assumed a definite shape and it's no longer really pliable. So it's fixed and it's somewhat brittle and stiff and the activity of the new wine would cause it to actually break so you would lose both the wine and the wineskins. In other words, uh, you can't really put new ideas into old mindsets or we can't get new results out of old behaviors. Or as the old saying goes, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, right? I have two rather important, oh, you got the picture of the dog, yeah. <laughs> I have two rather important comments to this uh, old saying. One is that the concept of old doesn't necessarily have to be about age. I'm really happy to be able to say that. Um, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. I have met really old people, like in the David Stroud category, you know, <laughs> really old ones, uh, who were open, who were flexible and curious about life and ready to adjust. And I have met young people who actually felt older than their grandparents. So it's not necessarily about age, okay? The other one is that this saying is not about that it's impossible to learn old dogs new tricks, just that it's hard to do so. If you Google this saying, uh, Dr. Google would, would say the same thing. What actually comes up is not so much how impossible it is, but it's more like how to teach an old dog new tricks so it actually can be done. And in the culture that Jesus speaks into, uh, this whole concept about wineskins was a very established concept. They knew about that. And they knew that the old wineskin wasn't something that you just threw out. You would rather treat it as you would work with it. They knew that you have to put it into water and soak it in the water. And then you would massage it with oil for it to be ready to be used as a container again. So this text is not just about giving up on the old wineskins and find new ones. Rather, it's probably more about renewal of the old, renewal of our lives. So really what Jesus is talking about is the life that we lead and our need to experience renewal for our lives to contain what he plans to do among us. So this is the challenge set before us. We believe that God is doing something new in this time and age. Not only among us here in Christchurch, London. The whole reason why we started this series was that we felt it among leaders and among others in the church as well, a deep hunger for God to show up and do more. A sense that this is not enough, there has got to be more. This was kind of the cry of our hearts. And we found out we were not the only ones. We found out that this is happening other places in the world as well. And if this is true, if this is what God is actually doing right now, this is an important message to all of, of, all of us. How can my life be a container for what Jesus is doing? How can my life be prepared for what he is doing? How can my life be renewed as it is right now? All right? Sorry, I'm a bit eager today. You can hear this is a message on my heart. And if I could, I would simply take it and I would operate it into your spines <laughs> and leave it there. Anyways... What is this new wine that Jesus is, is talking about? 
Well, there's something in the picture, isn't there, about grapes becoming wine, something about a process that can be rather uh, painful that involves a lot of crushing. We kind of have the images from films and books and so on and so forth. So forth. It's new, Jesus says. What does that mean? Well, it means that it's something that we haven't quite seen or experienced before. It's new territory. It speaks actually about the character of God. He is being renewed in everything that he is all the time. The Bible says that his grace is new every morning. He doesn't wear out like we do. He's renewed all the time. That means that God becomes unpredictable. We can't put him on a formula. Really, it means that we can't understand God fully. We can believe him, we can trust him, but we can't really figure him out. He is doing something new. Now, this particular vine that Jesus is talking about is also a vine that is the result of the effort of someone else. That is a special quality with this vine. We see this in both the Old and the New Testament. In Isaiah 53, it says about Jesus that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He was the grape that was being crushed for us. In John chapter 12, Jesus says about his forthcoming death that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, he says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It's being the fruit of the work of someone else, which is an amazing comfort, at least to me, because I know the new that I am really longing for, that is something that I can't produce myself. I need someone to step into my place and produce it for me. Well, the good news is that is what Jesus has done. Um, And then, of course, this means that this wine is about Jesus. He is the new wine that was poured out for us all. This is the whole message integrated whenever we take communion as his followers. Then finally, this new wine also seems to be about us. Well, how so? Well, if you kind of try to paint the image of what does a normal spiritual journey look like? What does a typical awakening look like? It has different forms, but if you go kind of beneath the forms and look like what's going on in the hearts beneath the things happening on the surface, well, this is obviously, or not not obviously, but this is quite often what it looks like. This is kind of a summary of the Christian experience. Number one, we long for something new. That's where it starts. We recognize that there is this longing in our hearts. And maybe for some of us, it's not even a longing, but it's a longing for the longing. It's this sense, something new needs to happen in my life. And in doing that, we realize that we have this sense of powerlessness, that the new I am longing for, it's something that I can't produce myself. I can change, perhaps, I can mix, I can blend, but I can't create, I can't transform. Only God can. This leads me to... Seek God in a new way, in a more intentional way. 
instead of ignoring God or instead of being angry with God, I start to seek him and allow room for him in my life. And when I start to do that, I often realized, oh, I thought I was seeking him. Now I actually find out that he has been seeking me all the time. That he has been knocking on the inner door of, of my life again and again in numerous ways. But for one reason or the other, I simply didn't register it. And when that happens, that's when we have this sense of receiving his amazing love and everything is made new. The colors look different. The birds are singing louder and more beautiful, even here in London. Uh, the cars even look more friendly. The cab driver isn't trying to take me down as I bike along the road. He just wants to be near me, right? <laughs> the bus driver isn't trying to hit me with his side mirror as I innocently wait for the bus. He just wants me to have a look at my own beautiful self in the side mirror. You know, the way we perceive life simply changes. I see myself differently. I see life differently. And I see God differently. Everything is made new. And that leads me into kind of not the final phase because this is actually a repeating pattern that actually allows me to grow deeper and deeper in my relationship with God. But that leads me into a new longing. <coughs> not only to receive the blessing of Jesus Christ, not only to enjoy the grapes on his vine tree just to stay in that whole picture, but it is actually a longing to share with him it's a longing to become wine for others, myself. Where I no longer live to satisfy my own impulse, whatever impulse I have for today. But where my life now becomes a life poured out for others. I know that this speaks so much against the culture that we live in today that tries in so many ways to put ourselves in the center of our lives. That culture or that part of the culture is simply dehumanizing us. And it makes us such lonely people whenever it succeeds to integrate in the way we think and the way we feel and the way we prioritize. It goes against our deeper nature as human beings. We are created for love. And the only thing that can satisfy us is love. Not self-love, but actually love for others. We know that love gives everything, but we also know that love costs everything. Deep down, at least I believe so, we know it as human beings. Somewhere in there, that, that knowledge is laid down deep within us. So now it's no longer an obsession with how Jesus can bless me. Now it's my longing for being with him, to know him, and for him to be in me. It's a longing to share the same burden that he is carrying, to share it with him. I am smitten by his love. Can you say that? Great. I was hoping that. I just had that word smitten, but, and I didn't dare to kind of look it up because I, th I thought this is a great word, so I was hoping it would work. I am smitten by his love. Uh, and the deeper I go in this, the more I realize that this new wine is being made in me. There's a new center formed within me. I no longer live out of this self-obsession. I live out of a new principle of life. It's like Paul, what Paul says. He says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. 
Now, how does this happen? How do we become this wine poured out for others? Well, the answer actually is in the song that I referred to in the beginning. It's in the crushing. And it's in the pressing. So what is this crushing? What is this pressing? Well, it's everyday pressures of life. And there are quite a few of those, aren't there? Challenges in work life. Challenges when it comes to relationships. Even relationship breakdown. Physical weaknesses. Challenges of emotional kind. And in this congregation, I dare to say, children. <laughs> I have three of them myself and a grandchild. Sometimes I say to myself, the reason I got children was to have grandchildren. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I absolutely adore and love my kids. But with a child, you also receive a whole big burden, don't you? And a lot of pressures actually come alongside with that burden. It's life, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, and you don't want to be without it. But it's definitely also a challenge that you go into. Or maybe I shouldn't have said that. But anyways. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, got a few bumps here. <laughs> Honestly, just for you. When I had my first kid, I felt like this is when life begins. So there you go. Something to wait for. No, it's just these everyday pressures of life, and sometimes that's really enough. But it can also be the pressure placed on us by others or circumstances of which we have absolutely no control, and we actually feel a bit victimized in this life. And then, of course, there is a pressure uh, coming from wrong choices or even sinful choices or a sinful lifestyle. And I know that for some, this can be a bit of a difficult word to deal with. So just let me say about this sinful thing. It's not a tick the box list. It's not this I have done or this I haven't done. That's really not what it's about. That's just the surface of it. More it's about a relational thing. It's about whether I trust God or not. Where are the habits in my life that indicates that I don't trust God as I would? That's where I find the sin thing in my life. A Belgian monk, philosopher, uh, and, uh, and theologian, uh, Wilfred Stinnison has put it like this. He says, all kinds of pressure can serve to make, me, make us whole. This may be failures, humiliations, a divorce, the grief over the loss of a beloved family member, getting old, physical and emotional frailty. Nothing is outside the action radius of God. No suffering needs to be in vain. Everything can be used by God as long as we don't reject him. That's how he says it. So what kind of crushing are we going through right now? What kind of pressures are piling up in our life right now? Now with the crushing going on in our lives, there are two, typically two ways that we can respond. One is that we can kind of bend over or crouch over ourselves and become inwardly looking self-absorbed. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like self-pity. It looks like bitterness, bitterness over God and others. And it looks like disillusion, disillusioned with my own weaknesses. And when I am getting gripped by this disillusion, I start to give up and I start to give in. Fortunately, there's another way of handling the crushing and the pressures of our life. Instead of doing like this, we can do like this. Open up to God and become Jesus absorbed instead. Now, how do we do that? We do it by surrendering. 
surrendering sin and surrendering all the other kinds of pressures going on, all the wounds that we have kind of piled up through the life that somehow was given to us. We take all of that and we simply surrender it to Jesus Christ. And we do it not as a hard, difficult, depressing thing. We do it almost like a surrendering party. That's the spirit of it that we find in the Bible and also in real life, in renewal stories. Paul puts it like this in Romans. He says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his his purpose. Juliana of Norwich, one of your spiritual giants here in the UK from the Middle Ages, so I'm sure all of you know who she is, she expressed the same truth with these words and the words you may know. She said, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manners of things shall be well. You hear the positive spirit in it, don't you? She didn't have an easy life, I tell you. But this was the spirit, this was the faith that she had. So this is really our part in this text for, the, for today. This is our part in preparing the wineskins to contain the new wine. It is the surrendering. Not only as a lyric in a song, not only as a warming thought in the afterglow of a good service, but surrendering for real. It's surrendering the tough stuff of our lives. Maybe some of the stuff that we have used for excuses or as a way of identifying ourselves for a long time, it is to surrender all of that to Jesus, not necessarily for him to fix it, but for him to use it to make new wine out of me, something that will bless not only myself, but bless others as well. It is surrendering the things in my life that doesn't fit with the life of Jesus. And it is doing whatever we can to change the unhelpful patterns, thoughts, habits, emotional responses going on in our lives right now. To confront and deal with that which expresses the opposite of trusting God or trust in Jesus. And then some of you, I guess, at least I would in your shoes, sigh a bit on the inside and say, oh, yeah, perhaps, maybe you're right, but... That's really difficult. That's really challenging. And some of you would say, well, isn't that the job of Jesus? And yes, somehow it is. But then on the other hand, my doing whatever I can do is actually my real invitation for him to do what only he can do. So when I do whatever I can to change these things in my life, the way I live my life, my wineskin, then he steps in and he does what I cannot do, transform the things that needs to be transformed, creating something new. Now, surrendering isn't easy. I know that. I have been working on on this kind of thing for I don't know how many years. And some of you who know me better than others would know that I kind of have worked in this process that we call the steps process, which really is about quite a lot of what I've been talking about today, about taking these things in my life that doesn't fit with the life of Jesus Christ and actually really offer them up to him in a practical way and get all the help I can get to see this change really happening in my life.
I bumped upon a, a quote which I want to share with you by William James, who is considered to be one of the fathers of modern psychology. And he wrote it like this in his book on habit. He said, put yourself as seditiously in condition that encourage the new way. Make engagements incompatible with the old. Take a public pledge if the case allows. In short, envelope your resolution with every aid you know. This will give your new beginning such a momentum that the temptation should break down will not occur and is as soon as it otherwise might. And every day during which a breakdown is postponed adds to the chances of its not occurring at all. A very realistic, pragmatic approach to this whole uh, process of change. Now, change is important. For us to do whatever we can is really important. It is our invitation to God to do whatever and what only he can do. But without him doing what he does and what only he does, it's really nothing. We need him. We need the new wine. Only he can bring the renewal, the transformation that we are longing for, that we are dreaming about. So, oh, can I have the band come up, please? I forgot about that. Um, which is why we find ourselves in prayer for God to step in. And I think the challenge for us today is maybe to not look so much on the things that needs to be fixed in our lives. Maybe the challenge for us today isn't so much to look at how, Jesus, can you help me right now? Maybe the invitation for us today is more likely to take the things that he has pointed out in our lives as we have been listening to this today and say, Jesus, I take this. Also, these things in my life that I simply don't understand. Also, these pains and pressures and crushing going on in my life that I simply can't really figure out. I take all of this. I, I even take the sinful things where I'm kind of, Jesus, how can I live without them? I really don't know. I take all of that and I surrender it to you. Jesus, come and do what only you can do in my life. Let's stand.